The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Tribune Audio Network. From the heart of motorsports in North Carolina, the Fox 8 sports team presents NASCAR Dirty Air. Fast friends, dangerous enemies. And now here's your host, Danny Harden, along with the Fox 8 sports team. If he was going to be a police officer, I probably would have been a police officer. Bobby Labonte was always going to follow in brother Terry's footsteps. Terry Labonte has become the 1996 NASCAR Winston Cup champion. Bobby Labonte, the NASCAR Winston Cup champion. Bobby and Terry became a force in NASCAR. They combined to win 43 cup races. Bobby captured one cup championship. Terry got two and ended up in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I never put myself at the same level as my heroes. They're both retired from NASCAR racing, but oh, do they smile when thinking back on those days. I miss sitting in a race car with a motor running, taking off and going racing against people. I really think I was in it at the right time, but it was fun. It, it, it was so much fun. We are going to have some fun as the Labonis share some great stories, including Terry's run-in with the Intimidator. And I'm sitting there nosed in the wall in the back straightaway, and I thought, well, that number three might go to victory lane, but this number five is going to be stuck in the side of it. A visit with Terry and Bobby Labonte is straight ahead on Fox 8's podcast, Dirty Air. Welcome to our Fox 8 sports podcast. We call it Dirty Air. We visit with some of the biggest names in NASCAR history. I'm Danny Harden, along with producer Kevin Wren. Today we get a double dose of the Labonis. We have Terry, the 1984-1996 Cup champion, and younger brother Bobby, the 2000 Cup champion. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. We look forward to hearing some good stories. Do you miss it? Do you miss the grind? Do you miss the day of 36 week, 34 weeks, whatever it was? Do you miss it at all? No. I got no from Bobby. <laughs> I used to, but not anymore. Yeah. So, uh, no, not really. On our recent podcast, we heard Dale Earnhardt Jr. talk about right afterward, he was relieved he was away from it, but as time went on, he's missing it a little more. But you guys you guys are good. I think for for me, it's, it's like uh, I don't miss the grind of it. I miss sitting in a race car with a motor running, taking off and going racing against people, but I don't miss the grind of the – Everything else that went with it, I think yeah. that's where it would be me. But Terry can vouch for me. I'm sorry, I'd take up all your time, but you can vouch for me. Is like when it when I didn't race the next race, I was going crazy. I'm like, and he's you'll get over that. You'll get over that. And I did. Yeah. So yeah. it took a little bit, but I did. But you know, it is it is there to start with. I, I did miss it. I know the last time time I think I raced at Daytona. You know, it was in July, and I pulled out of the pits and to go practice and going through one and two. I was getting up to speed. And I said. Oh, man, I love this. You know, I just <laughs> just love it. You know, and uh, you know, there for a while, I think I did miss it. You know, but then after a while, like the other day, I called my wife, and the weather was terrible up here, and it was raining, and and uh, she was miserable. And I called her, and I said, "Hey, it could be worse. We could be sitting in a motorhome at a racetrack." And she said, <laughs> "You're right." So, uh, so there's a lot of lot of parts of it 
that I, I, I don't miss. But there's still probably some parts I do miss, I guess. Yeah. How hard of a decision was that for both of you, you know, to, to finally call it quits in the, in the Cup Series? Well, it wasn't that hard for me. I got to looking around, and a lot of these people that I was racing against are younger than my kids. So I thought, you know what, it might be about time to, to, uh, to retire. But, uh, of course, I retired about three times. So, But uh, I still loved it, you know, so I did it for a while. Yeah, I I really didn't. I probably don't think I really had a choice. I mean, I had maybe I had a choice, but I didn't pursue anything else. And I was like, I'm kind of like Terry. I was like, I was like, man, I don't know anybody else any older than me. We we all I, the ones I hung out with, they're all not racing right now. And we'd sit in the motorhome lot, and we would, um, you know, we the group that you hung out with, it's not the same group anymore. So for me, I saw it kind of happening. And I knew the last race for me was at Talladega whenever, three years ago, I guess, two or three, three years, two or three years ago. 32 car, right? Yep. And so I was only doing four races a year, so it's not like a lot. But at the same time, I saw about early in the year, I went, I think this might be it. So then I got to, before I got to Talladega, I called my kids. I said, hey, I don't think I'm going to run after this race. This is going to be it. Really? Yeah. So a friend of mine, Tom. My wife, Kristen, we go down there, and I had my motorhome sold. So I ran that race, and I got out of the car, and I took the steering wheel. <laughs> and I went over to Tony Stewart. I said, sign this for me. So he signed it. He said, why? I said, I'll explain this to you later. And I think right now I'm explaining it to him because I never said it told him. <laughs> so I took it, and I went to see Mike Helton with my steering wheel, and I said, I didn't see him because he was already gone. So I called him the next day. I said, hey, I think that was my last race. Really? Yeah, I didn't really didn't say nothing to anybody. Didn't tell nobody. Just kind of did it. Did I tell you? I think I might have told you. So, and that was it. Wow. So, and then my it was fortunate my motorhome driver Dan he took the motorhome to Florida to the guy that bought it, and I said, "Don't come back without a check." So I drove home. It was like, man, that, we were done like in one sweet song right there. Right. It was over. But I still got my steering wheel. That was pretty yeah, cool from the last race. Yeah. Hey, 1996 Atlanta, final race of the year. It's got to be one of the most incredible Labonte brother moments, NASCAR moments. Terry Labonte, 12 seasons after his first, repeats as the Winston Cup champion. Let's talk about that. Terry, you clinched the championship that day in Atlanta. Bobby, you won the race. Man, that was, uh, yeah, you couldn't have written a better script than that, you know. And uh, uh, we went to Atlanta down there and, you know, we were neck and neck with with Jeff there for the championship, and and uh, a few weeks before that, I had broken my hand out in Phoenix, and so I went to Atlanta. I didn't practice; just ran a few laps of practice, and uh, ended up we qualified like third, and and Bobby won the pole, and uh, so I guess it was Saturday night before the race. I told Bobby, I said, "Man, I got, I need to lead this race. You know, get these five points." And <laughs> so we started the race, and I we ran five or six laps or so and and I was running second behind Bobby and he he motioned me by so I passed him and then oh, what a good brother. I, I, yeah <laughs> I didn't have to motion him back by because he just drove back by me and <laughs> and uh then it you know the the race unfolded there and uh it came down to the end and we wound up uh finishing I think fifth in the race and and Bobby won the race and and we clinched it the championship so it was uh it was an awful good day for us yeah Bobby the victory lap the victory lane what was that like well that was very special I mean we it's like before <clears throat> the Saturday night before in the, the weekend of the weekend, Terry's PR 
one of his PR people said, like, hey, could you put one of these hats in your car before the race starts for, like, when Terry wins the championship? And I'm like, don't jinx this. So they were like, well, I, I, I didn't want to jinx it because, you know, nothing's in the bag yet. So, But I think Saturday night we were like, wouldn't that be pretty cool if I won the race and you won the championship? Yeah, okay, we'll see you later. <laughs> so the next day we just kind of do your deal. And when you think back on that, we, we were like, you know, this we thought about it really happening. But could this really happen? And then the victory lap, which, I mean, again, nothing's rehearsed because you're like, yeah, like I, I, this really happened. So we run around there, and I think we were both kind of like, whoa. So I'm not sure what to think about this. But I, the, the one thing that's special to me, and I know to you, is like um, in victory lane, it's Terry and I. He's got his wrist in a cast. <laughs> Our mom and dad and Joe Gibbs and Rick Hendrick with that picture and it was like we were all just like uh, you know we was just one and I think of our mom and dad just going here they got two kids that they've raised racing 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 it's all they've ever done and they're in victory lane the same day same track you know sure two different places and but same day same track same this you know everything it's like how does that what's the odds of that happening so with our parents there I think that was that was the best thing that about that was just knowing that what they saw in, in us, I guess, at that point in time. Take me back to Texas. Yeah, Corpus Christi, racing quarter midgets. What are your memories from that? Were, were you guys tearing them up down there? And how did you end up coming to North Carolina from there? You know, I raced quarter midgets. Uh, I think my dad bought me one when I was about seven years old. And he, he took me out to the quarter midget track. They used to have a local track there in Corpus <coughs> where they raced them. And he had some friends that, that had some cars their kids raced. And he took me out there to watch them. And, and he said, what do you think? He said, would you like to drive one of these? I said, yeah, but not with all these people here. <laughs> and so, so they went back. We went back out there during the week when the guys brought his car out there, and they let me drive it around. And so, uh, so then my dad got me a car, and then we started racing quarter midgets, and we used to travel all over the country racing national events. The local track closed down, and uh, so we'd travel to San Antonio and Dallas and and then we go to a national events that could be in, you know, Ohio or Alabama or Oklahoma or Colorado and yep. Oregon or wherever, and and uh, and did that. Then when I was 16, my dad built me a stock car, and we started racing at the local track, local quarter midget track. I had a '57 Chevy, and uh, started running there. And then uh, we kind of moved on from the short track in Corpus to some tracks in uh, San Antonio or a track in San Antonio in Houston and I was racing in Houston when I met Billy Hagan and he gave me the opportunity he started sponsoring my car so the last really I guess the last year and a half I raced in Texas Billy Hagan sponsored my car mm -hmm. and uh, and then he gave me the opportunity to uh, move to uh, North Carolina which he already had a, a, a cup team and uh, went to work for the cup team and then later that year I ran five races so it was uh, it was kind of one of those places I was at the right place at the right time what what happened was I didn't go to the races one weekend because we had uh, engine trouble, and so and we were leading the points in Houston and we didn't go. The track promoter called and said, "Man, how come you guys didn't, you know, weren't here?" And I, as before, we had cell phones and stuff, and he, he called the house, you know, and I answered the phone, and I said, "Well, we didn't, uh, you know, we couldn't get there this week because our engine was, you know, messed up, and but we'll be be there next week." And he said, "I got somebody I want to introduce you to," and so we went the following week. We finished second, and they tore down the top three cars, checked their engine and weight and all that stuff. And the guy that won, he wouldn't tear down his engine. He wouldn't let them check mm -hmm. it. And so they ended up giving us a win. And But Billy Hagen was there, and we met him. 
And uh, the next week we had a sponsor. And it was just, if, if I wouldn't have gone, if I would have not missed that of that race, I don't know if we'd have ever had an opportunity to meet Billy. So it was just kind of looked back on it. It's like, yeah. wow, it was just kind of meant to be, I guess. We're just lucky or something, you know. But uh, it was very, very fortunate to meet, you know, Billy. And, uh, and he just, you know, did so much for my career back then. But on the quarter midget thing, I did the same thing, followed in his footsteps. Yeah. And we, our parents had car... Uh, four quarter midgets on our trailer my dad built out of plywood and we would travel with this thing but we never raced against each other so I always raced in this little guy class and he raced in the big boy class and you know and then whenever he moved up he moved up you know I just so we went that way for so many years and then um, you know my, my parents couldn't do both travel here and do this so when Terry started racing stock cars I was in the grandstands watching you know what I mean and it was it was always cool that you know again to a later thing is we never raced against each other yeah. so that was kind of cool because there's people do you have a rivalry between us like no we never raced against each other till we were yeah. old enough where dads would my our dad would kick our butt if we did have one you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so it was kind of cool that we both did the same thing quarter midgets even though we're far enough apart in years we didn't race against each other speaking of uh, rivalry or not a rivalry was there ever a time in y'all's cup career where you guys had an incident on the track where terry or bobby you thought after this race i'm getting out of this car and i'm gonna punch my brother in the face was there ever did you ever have any incidents on track that you were so angry at the other i didn't but i might know something <laughs> <laughs> let's see no maybe that one time no was it? We crashed. <laughs> we crashed together. Oh well, every, if you ran Talladega, if you crashed, with everybody, <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, yeah, wasn't, <laughs> no point getting right. no point getting mad about that. Yeah. So. Wow. All right, you guys ready for a numbers game? I want to see how close you guys can get to this number. These numbers, Bobby. How many cup wins did you have in your career? Twenty-one. How many cup poles did you have in your career? Twenty-one. Twenty-six. Dang it. All right, Terry. How many cup wins did you have in your cup career? 23. I saw 22. 22? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. 22. How many cup poles? 28. 27. Pretty good. All right. I'm going to totally stump you here. Bobby, how many different numbers did you have in the cup series? And can you, can you come close to naming them all? There's a lot. 11. You had 16 cup Ooh. numbers. Can you try to rattle off some? And Ooh. I'll mark them off. 22. Yeah. Uh, 14. Yeah. 18. Yeah. 96. Uh huh. 71. Yep. Doing good. 47. Yep. Oh, 43. 43. <laughs> some, some, uh, You're about halfway there. Dang it. Um, does this mean like if I relief drove for somebody one time? Wow. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, did I have 44 one time? No, 14. You sure did. Did I? Uh, that's about I'm, yeah. about, I'm about out of it right, right there. Terry. Oh, 32. 32. 32. Yes, yeah, you did. got that one. Yeah. 32, so. 37, 33, 52, 51, 09, 10, and 7 you missed. Who was thinking about those? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Terry, how many different numbers in the Cup Series do you have? At uh, 92, 44. Yeah, you're going in order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 11. Yes, sir. Uh, 1. Mm-hmm. 14. Yep. Uh, five. Yeah. And then after the five, it gets a little jumbled up there. Fifteen? Yeah. Uh, Don't have that one. No? No. Thirty-two? Yep. Forty-five? 
Yep. 96. 96. That's, that's tough, all, isn't it? That's all I got. Man. All right, 94, <laughs> 94 you miss. 55. Oh, 90, 55. Yeah, 10. 10, yeah. 66. Oh, yeah. 08. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's 10. right. 10. Oh, that's right. 81, 23, and 38. That's a lot of numbers. 81. That's what they got. I don't Let's think catch so. it down. Right. <laughs> I don't that was a year that 81. Yeah, I don't remember that one. <laughs> Take me back to your, your first cup championship, 1984, driving the yep. 44 Pima Airlines car yeah. with one of the most famous crew chiefs ever. Yeah. Dale Inman. That's right. Um, you know, won seven cup championships with Richard Petty. Yep. How did he become your, your uh, crew chief? And were you, going into that year, were y'all the favorites? Oh, no. No, we weren't the favorites at all. And uh, in 1982, we finished third in the points, uh, and Jake Elder was our crew chief. Billy had been talking to Dale and and ended up hiring Dale to join our team in 1983. And so Dale was there in 1983, and we kind of got off uh, the first half of the year wasn't as good as you know what what we all had hoped for. And then the second half, we really kind of started getting it put together and and started running a lot better and more consistent. And then 84, we started 84 and just, I mean, we had our act together. And uh, just every weekend, our our car was, you know, a, a contender and, and uh, we ran well and, you know, we won Riverside and we won Bristol and, you know, just had a lot of top fives and, and stuff and ended up winning the championship. And uh, it was just, uh, just a great, uh, I, I think I had 23, Three top fives that year. Okay. If you up for your number deal, then. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. But uh, sounds good. But it was uh, it was just a great year, and uh, it was just uh, I learned a lot from Dale because I can tell you when I look back at that team, we had so many good people on that team, and uh, you know Dale was the guy that he knew you, you needed to surround yourself with good people, and we had good people on that team, and. You know, it showed. Now it's time to see the champion. There's the trophy. Bobby Labonte, the NASCAR Winston Cup champion. Let's talk about, Bobby, your 2000 Cup championship. Uh, I've read somewhere on, on a key race. Um, I don't know why it was in quotes. It said you punted Dale Sr. out of the way to get a win. Um, yep. I kind of remember that. It wasn't really a punt. It was he, might, he probably thought it was a punt, but it was at Charlotte. I thought it was 2000. Okay. I might be wrong on that right. one, but I, it's harder to remember when he punted you, but it's a lot easier to remember when you get punted. When you get punted. <laughs> what does a punt look like in NASCAR? <laughs> well, it's the uh, it's the, the IndyCar version of push to pass. It's yeah. bump and pass. Yeah. It's, it's different. I think that was the year when I won the fall race, yeah. whatever it's yeah. called. And I was really fast, and I came upon him, and I'm pretty sure this is it, and I, I run the high side, and he was always on the low side. So I was going down the front straight away, and I was, I'd closed on him so fast, I hit him. And got him squirrely and passed him. And after I passed him, I thought, whew, that's going to piss him off. <laughs> because <laughs> A little. he, I just, I, I don't usually do that, right? So I went down the next corner, I slid up, and I let him go. I'm like, all right. So then ran like another lap, and I just, drove by him on the outside and then I thought well that's really going to make him mad now <laughs> probably shouldn't have done that either but uh I didn't get retaliated at all but it, I think that was in 2000 we, yeah. we we won five races that year and that was one of them but and we knew that um 
I mean, we raced against each other every race so hard all um, all year long that it, it, I mean, there was never a time that he was not on the track that I didn't know it or vice versa in practice. And his guys would be clocking me and vice versa. And it was just whoo, battle, 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 battle. Yeah. And it was, um, so that was, that was pretty cool to, to have all that happening. Yeah. And speaking of Dale Sr., uh, you... Terry, you and him had a couple, 1995, <clears throat> 1999 Bristol. You want to share some thoughts on, on that? That's a real bump. Yeah, which one? But, uh, <laughs> you know what? He spun me out in 1984 there, and I won the race. I came back. He spun me out halfway through the race. I'm like, man. But, uh, but yeah, the 95 one, uh, he had newer tires than I did, and – it was a long green flag run, and uh, right there at the end, I caught some lap traffic. And those guys, they were still in the lead lap. You know, I was just coming up the lap of them, and they were, they were racing for position. And I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do here? And uh, I could see him coming, and, and I was caught this traffic and, and uh, caught me coming off a of four. And I said, man, he's going to hit me. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, he did. And I thought, well, the only thing I can do is stay in the gas. And I can beat him to the line, I know, but I don't know what's going to happen after that. And uh, sure enough, I beat him to the line and won the race. And then, sure enough, sure enough, <laughs> <laughs> kind of what I suspected happened. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I spun out and hit the wall. And but it's kind of cool in a way, other than it was a good car. Yeah. <laughs> but it was kind of cool. We we're standing in Victory Lane, and the thing was all sm- oh yeah, being a water and oil and stuff running out of it. It's like <laughs> man, that's pretty cool there. Oh, and Earnhardt spins him out. Oh man. And the other one, we had an issue on the track somebody had dumped oil out on the apron and was riding around and they put the caution flag out and i was who was that somebody it was a green 18 <laughs> yeah <laughs> somebody just trying to make make laps yeah, yeah yeah it was on the lead lap at one time but yeah and they put didn't the, know he had oil coming out so but it's just so that they green put, okay. the, put the caution out right and so i was just fixing the lap Brett Bodine. I thought, well, there's no point. That was back when the rules were you race back to the to the finish line, you know. I saw, well, there's no point in lapping him, you know. Uh, and so I just eased out of the gas. And about that time, somebody runs at the back of me. It's Daryl Waltrip spun me out, who I just lapped. And uh, I'm like, all right. So I'm sitting here backwards, leading the race, backwards with like 10 laps to go. I'm like, this is wonderful. And uh, so I'm, it didn't hit nothing, you know. I didn't hit the wall or nothing. I'm just sitting there backwards. And everybody comes by. And uh, so Andy Graves was my crew chief. And he said, all right, we'll come in and we'll get four tires. And so what happened, that was back when pit road, they had two pit roads. And so Dale was then the leader. And he was pitting on the back straightaway. So he didn't pit when they came around the front. So half the guys stayed out behind him on old tires. And so I got four new tires, and a couple guys on the back straight, we got two tires and stuff. So I restarted the race like seventh or eighth, and with four new tires at Bristol, when guys have got, you know, 70 laps on them, you're going to eat them up, you know, pretty fast. And, and I got, got through them pretty fast, and I passed Dale coming off of uh, four for the white flag, and we touched a little bit. <clears throat> and I went down in one. I didn't have a good angle getting in one, and my car bottomed out just a little bit. And he hit me right in the back and spun me coming off a of two. And I was sitting there, tore all to pieces on the inside. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right. 
this really made me mad. <laughs> and so I started a car up, and I, I could hear the crowd. I mean, I could hear the people just yelling, you know. So I, can't, I got that thing cranked back up, and I seen him coming through turn uh, two, coming down the back straightaway, and I'm sitting there nosed in the wall in the back straightaway, and I thought, well, that number three might go to victory lane, but this number five is going to be stuck in the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it timed perfect. I had it timed perfect. I had the thing sitting there. I had it reversed, and I revved it up, and I popped the clutch, and I was going to T-bone him backwards, you know. And when I let the clutch out, that car moved about a half inch and tore reverse gear out of the transmission. And so I just, I'm like, well, what all right, heck? so much for that. So I just turned it off and got out and walked to the hauler, and that was it. So, uh, but it was probably a good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been a different highlight film yes. there. So. Yeah. Is that the maddest you've been on a racetrack? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, I can't. Nope. No, it's not. Okay. I've heard stories. <laughs> <laughs> they booed Dale Sr. in victory. They line. did, yeah. It yeah. doesn't happen very often. No, they, they did. But that was, a, uh, you know, just, just one of those deals. I'll tell you what, racing back then, and Bristol was always one, one of my favorite tracks. And, you know, you kind of look back at some of the great races at Bristol, and, and that was just uh, – that was one of them. And uh, made some good highlights, but uh, I wouldn't – yeah, I wish I wouldn't have spun out. You know, and I wish I'd have won the race, but it was, uh, you know, looking back on it, it was just kind of a cool race. Yeah. I'd like to get you guys' thoughts on this. Um, recently, Brad Kozlowski was asked, if you got to be in a time machine and go back to any date in the history of mankind, where would you go? He said the year 2000, because drivers drove their cars. They didn't have a lot of media to do. They didn't have a lot of sponsorship stuff to do. They drove their cars, and they made tons of money. Was that a great time? <laughs> Do you agree? Was that a great time? Early 2000s, maybe? Where you didn't have a ton like they, they do now, people pulling on you so much? Okay. I'll have to say that was a good time. 2000 was a good time for me. I'm not sure where the ton of money comes in. Because I'm pretty sure that that's, that's, that's different. I think his ton of money is my ton yeah, of money. Yeah, diff Two different tons. Yeah. But I guess he was talking about the pulling, people pulling at you and the, and the things you had to do. Did you have to do a lot of stuff, sponsorships, media? Mm, probably not to the extent that they do today. Yeah. But it, and I think mm. that's partially because, like in like '96, in all, most of the years I raced, I had one sponsor. Yeah. You know, and I had, we had a couple of associate sponsors. You know, but but today, I can't tell you whose car is going to look like what next weekend. Yeah. I think that's one thing that has hurt our sport. Mm -hmm. I think that has hurt our sport because the fans can't relate to mm -hmm. you know somebody driving their favorite car every weekend Starlin Marlin driving the Kodak car you know Bobby driving the interstate car me driving the Kellogg's car Dale driving the the uh, Goodwrench car you know and I think that you saw a lot of sponsors stay in the sport for a long time and you saw a lot of teams that had the, the same sponsor for the whole year and so now when you have five or six sponsors, and I understand why they do it, they have to, uh, to survive. But you have all these different people pulling on you now. You know, instead of just one sponsor that says, hey, we want you to do, you know, X amount of appearances, now you've got all these other sponsors that want you to do all this stuff too. And, and I can see, yep. you know, from that, that side how, how there's probably a lot more people pulling on them in different directions today. Yeah. Bobby, um, for you, how much did Terry – 
you know, being eight years older than you play into to your career and, and how cool was it to have an older brother to look up to, to kind of see what to, to do and the, and the path to go on? I'd say a lot. I mean, if he was, if he was going to be a police officer, I probably would have been a police officer. You know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I just, um, from the time we started racing, I was four and you were 12, you know, quarter midgets and, you know, kind of raced a little bit, traveled together. Um, but a huge influence because, um, you know, I I was his agent for a while. He was. <laughs> he, he did really good on that. Uh, by the way, some things we can't talk about. But <laughs> so what? And I think with our age, the gap probably helped in a lot of ways because, you know, we would never. There was never, you know, I don't think. Again, you might you might tell me differently, but we never battled each other as kids growing up, like in school, because he was always older. older, and I just respected. And you know, our parents taught us that and um so when you think about as terry moved on to the short track cars and the 57 chevys and the you know i was just a fan of all of that so i can remember going to the shop as a kid playing in the nuts and bolts and looking at that 57 chevy and looking at that camaro and racing the late models and i remember when dad bought that car from daryl bryant that was janet guthrie's car the kelly girl car I can remember that like it was yesterday when that car was sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is like when you see on TV, you know? So it was just as a fan, I'm just as a kid, brother, watching all this stuff, I always admired and wanted to be like, you know, be like him, be like him, be like him. So, um, and so many things that he did for me along the way to help me, help me follow in his footsteps. But I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to be doing what he did. So that's why I let him win more, one more race yes. and one more championship. You were on the 84 team as a, as a fab, fabricator, is, is that right? I didn't start off as a fabricator, but I, <laughs> I learned how to be a fabricator, yeah. Yeah, I learned how to be one. Uh, yeah, I was, was the catch man on the pit stops, too. Yeah. Catch can man. I went to work there in 82, sweeping floors, 81, 82, sweeping floors. And then by the time— I bet you were a great floor sweeper. Uh, awesome. <laughs> on mop floors on, Saturday, on Fridays. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, part of the, you know, part of the deal. It wasn't like, you know, I think I started off with saying, hey, let my little brother work here, be fine, he sweeps floors. But by the time I got fired, I mean, I was actually doing more than that, you know. I mean, it was like a lot. And I think they fired me because I made too much money, but instead of not sweeping the floors. But so, yeah, that was, you know, I mean, my gosh, I, that's, that's a long time ago. And a lot of, a lot of good stuff and good memories of that time. Um, I think they get to be a part you. of. I think it. they fired you because I left the team. Well, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they fired us all. <laughs> was your first stock car experience, Bobby? Was it Caraway? It was. Um, it, kind of tell me about your, your <clears throat> memories of of racing at Caraway Speedway. Well, the first time or the last time? Well, tell me what that first time was like. I'm sure that's interesting. Was that the time I borrowed or I, Jay? Uh, Mike Swain's car? I think so. Yeah, number 14. You know, right, right, number down. <laughs> so we're, no, number 14 in um, Black Management Resource Systems. It was Phil Parsons drove it. So we somehow got a motor from Billy Dewey back there in the back, and I think I went down there and ran it and started ninth and got spun out by Daryl Wheeler, and Earnhardt was there that night. Man, um, uh, Sam Ard and Jimmy wow. Hensley and all them guys. Gene Glover. Remember those guys there racing? Does that, that sound right? Remember that? 
Oh, I wasn't there that night. Okay. Know. Anyway, so, but that was the first time I went. I think it was in 79 or 80 when that happened. And uh, so, yeah, that was the first time I went. And, you know, it's like, talk about totally shouldn't have been there. But anyway, tried it and it was fun. And that led to the, you know, able to do a little bit more, one, one or two more every now and then. Not, nothing. But I remember Earnhardt, when I got spun out off turn two, Darrell Wheeler driving a 44, number 44. How can somebody not drive number 44 spin a guy out? Spin me out. <laughs> so anyway, spun out off turn two. My, it wouldn't crank up, and Earnhardt come by, and he was like pointing his finger, and I went, dude. I can't believe this happened. I'm like going to crawl in a hole, you know. Yeah. So that was that was uh, that was the first time at Caraway. Went back later and we kind of redeemed ourselves, of course. But yeah, twelve wins in one year, right? Something like that. Me and wow. Dennis Setzer, we we tied on wins and won the championship because I had maybe one more win or maybe I had one more win in him or something like that. But one of the best pictures that we have together for Caraway is when my mom and dad were in Maine. Um. They weren't there that weekend, and Terry was my acting crew chief. And, you know, we were caught illegal that night. Remember that? Yeah. Way to go. We yeah, won. We won. <laughs> That's all that matters. So my, my dad called and said, well, how'd it go? I said, well, I got good news and bad news. He said, well, what's the good news? I said, well, we won. He said, well, what's the bad news? I said, we got thrown out. <laughs> how'd you get the trophy back? That was sucked. Yeah. <clears throat> and he said, well, how'd, how'd you get thrown out? I said, well... It made us take the cylinder head off, and the, the 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 head had been ported. He said, "Man, I never thought they'd check that." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, they did." Yeah. So that was kind of fun. It was my first win down there. I was like, "Well, shoot." So we, but we went back the next we, week. Yeah, that Monday. Monday, we went yeah, back Monday, Monday night. Monday night, for we got a set ahead from somebody. Went back Monday night. One again. And one again. They tore us down. Tore us down again. We were right, so we got yeah. to keep the trophy. So wow. that was a pretty fun time. Yeah. Terry, 2016 NASCAR Hall of Fame, were you just like, wow, how did I get here? This is crazy. Me? You know, what kind of feelings did you have? It, you know, I tell you what, when you're selected to a Hall of Fame, you know, for me anyway, when you start out your career, and it doesn't matter what kind of career you're in, if it, you know, whatever sport it is, or, that's the last thing that you ever think yeah. of is being selected to a Hall of Fame. And... I, of course, they didn't even have a Hall of Fame back when I started racing. and But it was something that I never really thought about. Uh, it never really occurred to me. And and then then later when the, the Hall of Fame did come along, and and uh, as far as being inducted to it, I looked around in there, and, and you look at all the people that, that were in the Hall of Fame and guys that did so much for our sport. and It really is... Uh, it kind of really makes you, it, it, you know, it, it really makes you feel good to look around there. But the thing for me that was kind of weird about it, I think, or kind of made me feel weird, I guess, is these were guys that I looked up to. These were my heroes. And I never put, you, I mean, I never put myself at the same level as my heroes. I just don't, you know. And I still look up to you know, Bobby Allison and Cale Yarbrough and David Pearson and these guys, Richard Petty. And, you know, it's just, it just kind of, I, I don't know. It's not like I had a problem with it, but it was <laughs> like, it really makes you feel lucky to be selected to something like that. When you look in there and you see all the people that have done so much for the sport. And like I said, people that were my heroes. And I never put myself on, 
the same level as my heroes, you know. Yeah. I, I can see the smiles on your faces. You, you enjoy going back <laughs> in time. There's kind of some neat. good. Yeah. There is yeah, some good. Was, you know, the, the sport was good to us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I really think, and I think this a lot, I, I really think I was in it at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, when it was fun. It, yeah. it, it was so much fun. And I'm glad I'm not getting started today because I just don't think the people have as much fun as they used to. They're just, and I think the reason is it costs so much, you know, there's so much pressure on everybody because, you know, you got $15 million sponsors or, or more, you know, uh, and you know, back when we started, I mean, you could, gosh, our sponsors were $300,000 for the year, you know? So when, when it's a lot less money, there's not near as much pressure and it's a lot more fun. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you know, the guys probably, you know, are able to make more money today and things like that. But, but still I look at it and, and I really think, you know, for the, for the time that we were in it, uh, were really some good times with a lot of great competitors and you had so many great owners in the sport and, uh, it was just, it was fun. It was just, just really, really fun. Yeah. And, and for me, <clears throat> growing up, <clears throat> always wanting to be a NASCAR. Then I got to be a mechanic in NASCAR. Then I got to race in NASCAR. Then I got to win in NASCAR. And now I'm still in it. Now I'm still, I mean, it's like, you know, to me, talk about a dream come true. Yeah. And it was a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, but, you know, it's something that as a kid I had a, I wanted to be a race car driver, and I wanted to be in NASCAR. I did little NASCAR caraway, and then the, you know, then was able to, and and to look back and still see me being a part of it somehow, some way, doing different things that I do in it is like, why wouldn't I not want to be in it, you know, and doing <laughs> something in it because that's what I've that's my life. So it's I've enjoyed every aspect of it from a kid wanting to be in it until. Then you know too much, and you're like, are you, you know, you're you're working harder at it than you ever thought, and but still going back and looking back and going, man, that was awesome. Well, good deal, Bobby Labonte, Terry Labonte. We thank you for joining us on our Fox Eight podcast, Dirty Air. Make sure you tell your friends about the podcast. It's real important for everyone to rate us, give us a review, and uh, tell others where you find us. Again, the Labonte brothers. It's been a blast hearing all the stories. For Danny Harden yep. and producer Kevin Wren. Till next time on Dirty Air. Thanks for listening to NASCAR Dirty Air. Follow us on myfox8.com. You've been listening to the Tribune Audio Network.